Am I more? Am I less pixelated? Oh yeah, you're fine now. Anyway, what I was saying was, I am an avid lover of eight uh, bit music, like, but not like, not the actual music. Like, I like when I like I, I found some band called the Eight Bit Eight Bit Big Band, and it's basically big band versions of songs from like Nintendo Entertainment, right? So like the theme song for Super Mario Brothers 2, the moon board from the DuckTales video game, um, the Chocobo song from Final Fantasy, because I'm a nerd. What's up, everybody? Justin here, host of the All Things MSP podcast, and I want to take a few seconds here to talk to you about ACES Conference. ACES Conference is a business-focused conference for MSPs with topics ranging from marketing to management, human resources to business strategy, and uh, you know, social media, legal, all of those things that help you grow your business. Now, ACES Conference is strictly content-driven. It is not sponsor-driven. Yes, we will have sponsors there. You will learn about new vendors and things like that, but it is not driven by them. We want you to grow and elevate your MSP, and that's what it's all about. This year, ACES Conference is celebrating its 10th year, and we're glad to be back in person May 15th and 16th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tickets are available now at acesconf.com. That's A-C-E-S-C-O-N-F.com. And use the coupon code ATMSP to get 10% off. If you have questions, find me on the All Things MSP Facebook group. That's facebook.com slash group slash All Things MSP. Glad to help you out in any way, shape, or form. Can't wait to see everybody live in person May 15th and 16th in Salt Lake City, Utah. Come check it out, acesconf.com. We'll see you there. I feel like I should start the episode. We should decide what we want to talk about first. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Things MSP Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Escar. With me always is my good friend, podcast producer extraordinaire, pirate, and man who doesn't have a plan today, Mr. Eric Anthony. Oh, Eric, I had up? a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you about my chat GBT story, and I, I kind of want to... I feel like you'll pick up on this one really fast, um, and we can do this for the episode. So apologies in advance. We'll do better next time. Um... I learned something about ChatGPT today that I did not know, and we hired a new employee, this guy, Fred, um, who showed me this. I've always just gone to ChatGPT and said, like, rewrite this email so it doesn't sound like a four-year-old wrote it or something like that, right? And uh, <clears throat> what I have never done is continued from my original inquiry. And so what I learned today was because like when you do a ChatGPT, if you if you're on the ChatGPT website and you make an inquiry and it spits it back out, on the side there, on the sidebar, it it right across and it tells you you know the topic or whatever it is. I've always just started new ones every time. What I learned today is you shouldn't do that because it can feed information from your previous answers. So now I was writing an email about the upcoming ACES conference and I wanted it to learn more. And I, I, I try to figure out how to do prompting better because typically I will do, you know, rewrite this email. But today I kind of was like explaining what the conference is, who it's targeted for, what are some of the add-ons, whatever it is. And then I said, knowing all that, go and rewrite this email. So it's more enticing or whatever it is. And it, it, it did a wonderful job. ChatGBT four which you have to pay, I think it's $20 a month, has access to the internet. 
And so I said, learn about ACES conference. And I was like, here's the URL. And it like literally the, the little, the little cursor thing, the little movement thing said like, I mean, I don't know why I use this Bing, but it said, uh, uh, going, you know, looking at acesconference.com via Bing. And I said, learn more about ACES conference. And it started pulling other websites. Basically it did a Bing search. Bing, 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 bing. Um, and it pulled information about the conference that like is not readily on our website, right? Um, but it like put together an entire thing. And so uh, my guy Fred then said, there's a way to do this. And this is I, another thing I learned a lot in, this is literally happened by the way, like an hour before we're recording, okay? Um, he said, uh, ask, tell it that you wanted to learn about your company. And the way you do that is by saying, what questions can I answer for you to better understand my company? And so it knows it's a conference. And so it, it spouted out a bunch of questions, which of course I don't have my window in front of me. Um, and it said, certainly here are some questions I can use, I can do to better assist you with these efforts. Number one, objectives and goals. What are your goals? Are there specific metrics? Two, target audience. Who is the target? Are there new target audience segments? And it gave me like 10 solid questions. So I gave it all the answers. And I said, okay, now what should I do? And it says, here are some of the things we suggest you do. And one of them was like, um, to tweak our Eventbrite page for better performance. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I was like, here's the registration for the page. Um, what do you think? You know, what do you do? And I said, rewrite it with page optimization. And it spit out like a gorgeous set of content for me that I simply, because I'm lazy, copied and pasted. I mean, I read it first. I read it first, but I copied and pasted it. And then to make it even better, I said, Eventbrite now allows you to have an FAQ section. What questions should I ask? Should I have on the FAQ? And it gave me 10 questions. And I said, answer them. <laughs> so what you're saying is if you don't know where to start with chat GPT, ask it where it thinks you should start and what questions it needs to tell you where to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also another new thing. I mean, I don't know if this is new, but this is my, in the bottom left. Once you've signed in, if you click on your profile picture, there's a section there called custom instructions. And it says, what would you like chat GBT to know about you to provide better responses? And how would you like to chat GBT to respond? Because at one point I had it researching virtual computers and like telling me about it. And it kept referring to me in the third person, right? And I wrote, um, well, how can virtual computers help? And it and chat GBT came back and said, it seems that you run an Apple consultancy. And so Justin Escar would be able to help with these things, blah, 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 blah. And so I wrote, am I Justin Escar? Because at this point, I'm now paranoid. And it said, yes. And so I asked it because I was on my guy, Fred. I was, am I Fred? And it said, no, because it knows I'm logged in. And it figured out all the other pieces to it. So it was like, it, it kind of like blew my mind a little bit on like the respect of you know, a lot of people talk about AI and I think a lot of people are talking about AI the same way everybody talked about NFTs, you know? Oh, it's the next big thing. We gotta get on it. And like, what, what those monkeys are worth, like, they're not even worth the salt that people, that's on my tongue right now talking about, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know, this is, 
interesting because I, I I honestly hadn't heard anybody bring this up before in terms of asking ChatGPT what questions to ask. And and I mean, I think that's that's brilliant in terms of of prompting. I think that there's a whole there's a whole workshop that could be done on prompting chat GPT for MSPs. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that's something we should do. We should do that. That'd be a good one. I started no, just the, the backtrack, like the whole story was when I said, like, rewrite this email. It rewrote it. And I said, um, given what you just put out, and I <laughs> I said you as if chat GPT is a real thing. Um, what text should be on the CTA button to maximize and I actually wrote conversation because I wasn't banging to what I meant. And I, I meant conversion. But ChatGBT figured out what I meant to say. And it gave me seven. Um, I wrote conversations and it said for maximizing conversions for sales. And it gave me seven options with reasoning. It's not just random words, right? So like it said, one, secure your early spot, early bird spot now. This emphasizes the limited time nature. Two, join ASUS 2424 to highlight both the event and the financial benefit, and like all these things. And so then I said, um, I'm going to choose number seven from your last response. What color should the button be? And it gave me the reason why it thinks I should use red, green, blue, orange, or yellow, or contrasting colors. And it said, given these, the best choice would be based on your, your color, your branding, or orange and here's why and it picked our colors red right but it picked orange and reason and then i said okay where should i put the call to action based on your original response to my email and it actually referenced like four things above and told me where to insert the button yeah and now that i not that i'm like shocked by this in the respect of like i didn't know that i could do like i knew it could do some of this but i never realized the ability for layering and that i think is what really does it because like everybody dude the amount of people who have called me in the last month since their last announcement or whatever has been being like i want to spin up my own jack gbt i want to i want my own gbt because they i don't know why everyone calls it a gbt maybe i'm deaf i call it an llm because i know it is an llm um but like <clears throat> you know and i'm like well what are you going to do with it and like a lot of people have come to me and said, I have proprietary things that I do. I'm a, I'm a researcher or I'm a this or I'm a that or I'm a designer and I'm looking to, you know, build out my aesthetics differently or like I'm doing very complicated math or whatever it is. So like I understand that he, or even support professionals, right? There's, there's definitely IT support professionals who want to build out their thing. Um, now that I've seen the layering thing, it gets me more excited. If you go back to our episode with Tim from Halo, the integration of ChatGPT and AI into Halo, because in that episode, he even told us he's he's preloading the LLM with, what was it, like 50,000 sanitized tickets? Yeah. That plus your own data set from answering things and if you build out your knowledge base properly and you answer tickets and you actually document which that's a whole nother conversation uh document the answers in the tickets like oh my lord this can be so powerful i just wish it had a little bit i wish it understood a little bit more because like i ran into an issue where i was like um here's our here's i you could upload a graphic in gpt4 <clears throat> and i said this is our logo Please use it and recognize the colors. 
And it was like, I've recognized that the colors here are red, beige, and white. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, sure, but they're not really because there's a hex code and things like that. And I was like, <clears throat> and I was like, in, insert it into emails. And it can't do that because it can only do chat. Right. Um, but wow. Yeah. Um, you would, well, you may not be surprised at how many vendors at IT Nation this year had something new related to AI. It's um, the new buzzword is the problem. Well, but but it's not just buzzword. Like there's a there's a company called Nine Minds and and there'll there'll be a video interview that I did with them at the show uh as soon as I get through the 400 gigabytes of footage that I shot at IT Nation. Um that one of the main things it does is just makes your technicians responses better. Like, yeah. you know, you talked about it, asking it to write an email so that it doesn't sound like a four-year-old basically does the same thing. It takes it from technician speak, which we both know can yeah. sometimes be kind of harsh yeah, because we're very matter of fact, very technical, very just, we want to put the points out there and get to the next ticket. Right. Did you unplug it? Make that sound nicer. <laughs> right, right. So so that's kind of what it does. And, and it, I did some other things too, but unique uses of AI yeah. to enhance not just the knowledge and the effectiveness of the MSP, but also to increase the customer experience of the MSP. And I think... That's a place where this is really going to come into play, AI used for customer experience as that kind of go-between between the technician and the customer. There's, there's, yeah, I, I wanted to start to under, I think ChatGPT 4 does this, ChatGPT 3.5 does it, but it can, it can start to understand your personal voice because it has more emotional awareness. Like it could understand um, I was reading an article on it. Like it could understand um, feeling upset or depressed or anything like that. Whereas chat GBT 3.5 is very, you know, stoic or whatever it is. And so I think that if it has the ability to have, let's call it emotional awareness, even though it's not really what it is, um, it should be able to start to understand voice awareness and like, but at the same time, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm saying this out loud. I'm like, if I feed it a bunch of stuff that I've written and I write like a four-year-old, it's going to start, and I'm like, write this better than a four-year-old. It's going to start outputting stuff that looks like a four-year-old wrote it. Maybe. <laughs> write this in my voice, but if I were older, wiser, and more educated. <laughs> Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> write this in the voice um, – of the person my mother wishes I was. <laughs> Wait, I got, write this in the book. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry to the listeners. Um, and I'm sorry to the viewers who watch me keep fidgeting. My chair broke. Uh, by the way, Herman Miller, which is what this chair is, uh, is amazing that all I had to do is take some pictures of the parts that broke. And they're sending me a box. They told me that they go, we're sending you a box. All you have to do is wheel your chair into the box, take off the label and FedEx will pick it up. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is a chair. Like you don't have to take the chair apart. No, no, no. 
No. They're sending me a box, an empty box, the size of this chair, and I'm going to put the chair in it. They're going to fix it and send it back. And they waited for the parts to arrive before they shipped me the box. So that's why I am I am not sans chair for a while. So points to Herman Miller yeah. for that. Well, um, and that's why you pay more for Herman Miller, right? That's the I guess. It is. I mean, <laughs> they can afford to provide you with that type of experience because they charge you that much for the chair. By the way, there's a lesson for MSPs in that. Mm -hmm. The higher your margins, the better the experience you can deliver to the customer. What's funny is I was talking to one, I was talking to some team members the other day about this because we're putting a proposal together. And I got a, I saw a TikTok a couple of days ago from Alex Hermazi, which for those who don't know, he owns acquisitions.com. He's like a big dude. He used to run, own a bunch of gyms. He's got an interesting story. Um, and I cycle through these like celebrity business people, you know, like obviously everyone started with Gary Vaynerchuk. I did aim James Altucher, the, um, uh, Grant Cardone and, and, uh, Lewis Howes or whatever. So I'm currently on the Alex Hermazi kick. Anyway, he had made a comment about if you're trying to sell a product, you can sell a $10 product and, an, and, a, and a $20 product. And most people will buy the $10 product because it's cheaper and they think that, you know, the value to get from 10 to 20 isn't there. But if you sell a $10 product and you sell a $1,000 product, more people would be inclined to buy the $1,000 product because the value is so far distance from them. They're wondering what they're missing by getting the $10 product. And so I was talking to our COO who's in Missouri and we were talking about doing an audit for a client. And I said, you know, let's do this, 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 whatever. And I was like, let's make it a real sellable item. And cause we figured that we were going to charge them whatever it is, let's say $10,000. And I said, let's sell it. Let's make it so that way they buy the $10,000 one. Cause just saying $10,000 is a lot of money. We're also going to give them the option for the do it yourself for $3,000. And, and I explained my reason why. And he said, dude, this is what makes you New York and not, you know, people, not understanding people in the Midwest because people in the Midwest would be like, I'll take the $3,000 and do it myself. And I said, then they don't understand the value of the business because it doesn't. And I, and I called them out by saying one of our biggest clients in Missouri would never take the $3,000 option. They would take the $10,000 option. And he kind of thought about it and realized that I was right. What's funny about this is, uh, He's not the first person to tell me that I think too much like a New Yorker in the regards of like I sell on a high price point or like our per computer cost is more expensive than it would be in the Midwest and people in the Midwest will pay that. And I do not agree with that sentence in any way, shape or form. I think they might not pay – if the difference is 165 a computer versus 185, yeah, they're going to take the 165. They look at it as different. But if you're selling them – a $3,000 do-it-yourself or $10,000, we're going to do it all and certify it. Most businesses, and again, businesses, would buy the $10,000 one because they understand that there's going to be some sort of inherited value with that. And so going back to talking about value and pricing and why I paid more for the chair, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Because you can sell a higher price point no matter where it is in the country or in the world if you can provide the value behind it. And an easy way to sell that higher price value is to give them a low price value that clearly undercuts the inherited value of the item. You know what I mean? Well, and, and there's a 
there's another philosophy behind this with a three-tier pricing, right? If yeah. you want to charge X, okay, or let me do let me do it this way because this will make the explanation a little bit easier. You want everybody to buy something at Y price. Yeah. You have an X price, a Y price, and a Z price. The value difference between X and Y is big. The value yeah. difference between Y and Z, not as big, yeah. but premium. Right. Right. And that will, it's the same idea. It's just that with three options, they will tend to go and gravitate back to the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most customers will. Now, those right. that want the premium experience, they'll go for the more expensive option because they want the premium experience. And so to put real, well, let's put real numbers on this, right? Like if you have a $75 option and for your, for your low end, and then you have a 185 and a 195, most people are going to go for that 185. Because we'll, we'll, even with the premium, like something to that effect, right? It's also, it's funny because <clears throat> we see this every day and, and humans don't even realize it because um, Apple does this, right? There's the base model machine for $12.99, but for like $200 more, you can get the 16 gig machine. And then for $200 more on top of that, you can get the 512 gig machine. And then for maybe another 150, you can get a one terabyte machine. Next thing you know, you've now spent five, $600 more to get what you feel is a better value. Right. Um, they, they have a, theirs obviously is a little bit more step out and they, they have like a ladder structure, um, to their pricing, but for, for MSPs in general, like, <clears throat> yeah, I think I, I have a three tier pricing at virtual computers. We have a, a, a monitoring or pro plan. We have full and we have premium. The difference between our full and premium is a $15 difference. And what you get is like fractional CTO services. And at that point, I kind of was just like, you know what, let's just make this easy and go all that. Cause we don't have enough differential <clears throat> to offer like a real premium thing. Yep. Um, and it's not like the people that are on my premium pricing are calling us at the table for fractional i mean we'll do qbrs and such but that's not really fractional cto service right so we've i've just said you know uh, whatever let's just put everybody in the in the 185 which in columbia happens to sometimes be lower than 185 not always i try to I'm, i don't know who's listening to this and i don't want my clients to be like you're charging me different than that guy yeah everybody's being charged differently because some clients have been with me for 16 years and some clients have been with me for 16 minutes um, so the, 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 the difference in pricing, you know, it might be slightly regional, but at the same time, I think the difference in the value proposition, which is what we're talking about, should be enough to get people to push them in the right direction. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that while you're talking like, okay, so if we do this proposal, let's just say it's a $10,000 proposal, right? We're going to give them the $3,000 do-it-yourself, the $10,000 we're going to do it for you. The question is, what would be that eleven dollars or $12,000? Like, what more can we offer in that that we wouldn't be offering in that? Because we want them to do the $10,000 one, right? So what should we be offering in that $12,000 audit that we're not doing in the $10,000? That's a good question. I'm not the security guy, so I'm, the, I'm not the guy to ask. But... Well, this makes really good, really good episode then. <laughs> no, I. If you can't you see it. You keep me up with a question that I, I'm, you know. I'm, 
you're not watching the YouTube, you can see me uh, coughing and dying in the background while I called Eric out on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's okay. I, just because I can't tell you exactly what to add, right? Yeah. You need to sense. just, well, we, so I had this conversation recently. Uh, I co-hosted uh, the channel Engage, channel program Engage in November. And yeah. one of the topics we talked about was what things go in your stack and how to figure out what goes in your stack. And I think once you figure out what the different value propositions you want to deliver are, then you fill in what those features are. Yeah. And again, I would never sell on features. I would always sell on value. So I'm not selling a managed XDR. I'm selling managed threat response, you know, managed yeah. protection and threat response. So and remediation time and remediation. So you sell them the value, not the feature. And you just need to decide what baseline is, what's the minimum you'll accept, what you want them to actually do. And then the next level up, which is that premier experience and yeah. it's not just experience, right? You're still adding stack items that add value, but there are things that mean that they're going to have a less likelihood of having issues or downtime to an extreme level. If you go to chat GBT and you put in to the, whatever that, what I said that section was called, the who are you in the custom instructions and what do you want to know about better writing, put in there, and put in who you are, what you do, the areas you focus in, the type of clients you focus in. And then see if it spits out what your stack should be. That'd be an interesting response because then you can say, how do I, you know, where's my value problem? Where's, how do I increase or decrease the value by X months? And let ChatGPT do the work for you. That's what it's for. Actually, speaking of which, there is, I saw there's a, uh, a ChatGPT um, under Explore. I noticed this today. There is a tech support advisor from setting up printer troubleshooting. I'm here to help you step by step from ChatGPT. We're going to talk about that in another episode because I got to go see what this thing can do. Of course, the icon of it is a hamster with a headset on because, you know, internet. Well, you know, and that's what ChatGPT is trying to turn tech support into. But. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, you know, I think chat GPT, not chat GPT, large language models, AI in general are going to continue to bring us some very unique solutions to the industry, uh, over the next several months. And as this is probably going to end up being the Thanksgiving episode, I am thankful for that. I'm thankful that ChatGPT told me I had to end this episode and it said I should say thanks for listening to the All Things MSP podcast. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash All Things MSP. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash at All Things MSP. Like and subscribe. Follow us on all your favorite podcasts. Leave a, 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 leave a, a what? Leave a, leave a review. That's the word. A review, a comment, it, whatever. Leave, just because it wrote it doesn't mean I can read it. Uh, leave a review. Leave a comment. Uh, tell us in the uh, Facebook group what you're thankful for this this year. And uh, your answer should be us for doing this show for you. That's it for us. I'm Justin. That's Eric. Bye.
from your host, Justin Escar, and myself, thank you for listening to the All Things MSP podcast. Join the All Things MSP Facebook group or follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. The All Things MSP podcast is a BizPow LLC production. And even though we drink a lot of it, this podcast is still not sponsored by Liquid Death.